Greetings, Sits and Sivs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This episode is 043 and was recorded on October 18th and made available for download October 21st at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? In this week's school box, we learn about Lockheed Martin's marketing department. In CIG News, we bring everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest letter for the chairman, Around the Verse, episode 17, 10 for the chairman, 41, and no doubt Tony will have an opinion or two about Citizen Gone. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we cover info running and data trading. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Citizen and Sivs, we're always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got the creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience that you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we do look great on a CV or a resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. After nearly a year of clockwork releases, trips to Austin and L.A., plans for Manchester, and monthly, bi-weekly detours into lunacy, we're finally confident enough to set the hat on the sidewalk and hope you toss in some loose change. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week for free, but it's nice to get the occasional reminder that, hey, you guys love listening to us as much as we love talking to you. We thank everybody that's already chipped in and hope you decide to make a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Hey, you boys need a carrier out here? Uh, everything's under control. The normal. Welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. So, we here at Card Frequency frequently have our collective interest piqued by news of exciting technical breakthroughs. So, when Lockheed Martin puts out a press release talking about a new fusion breakthrough, well, we raise a quizzical and interested eyebrow. Then, they say they can provide 100 megawatts of power from a system the size of an overseas shipping container. Well, then we cock our heads to hear a little better. Then they say that the waste products from the system have a 100-year half-life and are safely contained buried by a few feet of dirt. Well, then we sit up and pay attention, sir. Then we remember that this is the same company that brought us the F-35, and we sit back down and go back to whatever it was we were doing before. The latest Lockheed advances are some encouraging experiments in the behavior of magnetic field bottles that would contain the hundreds of millions of degrees plasma cloud required to sustain a fusion reaction. So, yay, plasma containment, but not something really worthy of a four-minute-long YouTube video, complete with a kickin' dubstep intro and inspirational time-lapse photos of cities lighting up at night. Much like the F-35, the press release and video are long on style and promise, and a long time away from impact and delivery. Now, it all sounds pretty legit. Their design goal is focused around a power plant that would fit aboard a moderately-sized naval vessel or haulable behind a semi-trailer for installation in forward bases. Fantastic military applications. And much like radar leading to microwave ovens and military sat-nav leading to GPS in my phone, having Lockheed making grandiose promises to the Pentagon might one day translate into a world-changing technology. 
uh, you know, but the timing's also a bit suspect, as Aviation Week ran a big article on this project recently, and the release and video are basically a venture capital pitch to other defense and energy companies to share the burden of developing the prototype of this reactor. But while approaching this announcement with all the skepticism due the manufacturer of the world's most expensive, mostly operational fifth-generation fighter, I'm seriously rooting for them to pull this off, because we're all going to be better off if they do. I'm personally waiting for Scorpion to come along with the uh, $35 version of this. <laughs> yeah, you know, real. They can deliver on time <laughs> yeah. for a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, that fits into your uh, car trunk, not into a semi-trailer. Mm. Yeah, see, there you go. I, I subscribed to the channel, by the way, so I saw this quite some time ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Was your first impression like, oh, my God, they're right on the brink of this, or what, oh, my God, they're looking for lots of money from people my personal belief is i would like to see politics get out of the way of move out of the way of science the problem with the f-35 program wasn't so much uh lockheed martin was the political stuff behind it if you read if you read oh, any, sure uh, sure there's a there's a defense contractor in every state and each of them make a widget that goes into the f-35 so it can't possibly die i agree with you i mean it's not entirely lockheed martin's fault that the f-35 is the cluster that it is but on the fusion stuff this is like this is way out there, right? I mean, you know, we know how to fly already. That's the thing that we can all, you know, the, the human race has sort of figured out. But fusion is just way out there. Well, is it, though? I mean, have, there's been a group of scientists working on this problem for, for uh, you know, Decades, 50 years. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the thing that gets me is that I, I wish the transition between theory and actual practice of it was not so bogged down. We didn't need to see another 50 years before this comes to light that, you know, they can get this without much wrangling or butt kissing or <laughs> not. <laughs> this is a defense appropriations process, Jeff. It's all wrangling and butt kissing. The flip side of it is, of course, is that once you have your fat pile of money, you can count on your fat pile of money. But just like radar leading to microwaves and sat-nav uh, military applications leading to GPS, I mean, they invest a bunch of money up front for a defense problem and end up creating civilian solutions. True, but I, I'm hoping that we don't need another war. I mean, if you take a look at the progress of radar, since you mentioned radar, from the beginning of World War or the end of World War One to the beginning of World War Two, and then how it progressed even further by the end of World War Two. There was quite a leap in the technology. Yeah, but it didn't work before World War II started, and by the middle of World War II, it was being used to pick up raids coming over the English Channel. It made it work. I mean, I'm hoping, I agree with you, I hope we don't have to have a war to make it work initially, but a nice few hundred million dollars in defense funds could provide a huge boost in the project and maybe get it off of the drawing board and into you know the, the real world. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I'm really majorly skeptical about on this is that from everything that I read about it, they haven't actually published any details on the science behind it. They've right. basically just claimed, yeah, we can do it. And they've not actually given a lot of hard evidence. Part of that is like how top secrety type things these things are. And But I, I agree with you, Lennon. It's a little bit eyebrow raising. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, they're inviting people to come invest, which means that they're going to show those people the books. And if you waste the time of another gigantic defense contractor kind of person, they would have every incentive in the world to point and laugh at Lockheed Martin and go, oh, yeah, that fusion project, we took a look at it and we passed. So, I mean, there yeah. could be some consequences by not having any of the goods, you know, not having the goods. True. I, I'm uh, of the mind that I don't mind my tax dollars being spent for these kinds of things. I do mind that they're spent 
without oversight. Yeah. And I also think it's, again, it's quite sort of suspect that in a world that is looking for a solution to the climate change problem, this is uh, something that will produce it with a zero carbon footprint and a non-polluting energy source that basically is powered by seawater. And it just seems a bit too far out of reach. I reckon in about 10 years' time, we could have this conversation again, and it would be different. But I think right now, it's still... I, I still reckon it's a good 30 years away. According to them, in, at the end of 10 years, they should have operational field units, you know, something that they can actually sell to the Navy. And at the end of 20 years, they should have a civilian version of it up and going. That's, that's their timeline. I hope they're right. That would be super cool. The guy in the video said, he said, I'll have to have another job after this project is done because this will be done within my working career. Again, YouTube marketing, YouTube glitz, they're, you know, it's a venture capital pitch, you know, but they're pitching it to people that it would have every, every possible motivation to point and laugh at Lockheed and go, haha, morons. Well, in God Frequency episode 597, <laughs> exactly. we'll come back and we'll revisit this point and we'll yeah. see what happens. There you go. I like that. <laughs> All right. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for October 18th, 2014, 58601000 Another million in a week, guys. It's like they're printing money over there. 626,000 plus citizens and 480,000 members of the UEE, a nine jump in citizens and a seven jump in membership. We're back down to about, uh, you know, a bit better than two out of every three new citizens buying a ship. Good job, everybody. And thanks to hitting an incredible $2 million last weekend, we have another letter from the chairman. And this time, Chris gives us a short debrief on CitizenCon 2014 and then tells us that as we hit two stretch goals so quickly, they didn't have time to run another ship poll, so they just decided to pick the two highest from the previous. And the last winner will be the $59 million stretch goal, when the whole process will then start over for the $60 million onwards. As a special thank you for hitting $58 million, we've all been given 10000 UEC to spend on upgrades and flares in the VD store. Finally, we hear all about the next ship winner, the Crucible Repair Platform. A so-called flying toolbox, the Crucible is a ship that you will want nearby when you crash into an asteroid or survive a pirate attack. What's interesting about the ship is that Chris then goes on to explain how the repair system will unfold on the larger scale. You'll have all these little ERS systems, known as external repair structures, that can be locked together kind of like scaffolding but in space. And that to fix something the size of a Bengal carrier will take hundreds of these ERS units provided by a dozen or more crucibles. Oh, and uh, once again, because the ship poll is open, you can all go and vote for search and rescue. Thank you. Oh, yay. I love the search and rescue. I hope, so. I hope enough other people do. It, it, it doesn't do that great. No, it doesn't, unfortunately. If, if you love sad. guard frequency, then you'll vote search and rescue. Oh, that's right. Sure. Make our love conditional, <laughs> Jeff. Drive people away. They'll drive them away. No, you can vote for whatever you I think. you had teenagers. Don't you know that's what yeah. happened? Don't you know that's what they do? Yeah. You don't love me. Yeah, no, I, I, this, I'm excited about the repair ship. Well, what is it going to do? Come out of hyperspace when you call it, or is it going to be flying, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you just you call it, and it's like, it, I mean, this is the triple, these are the triple A guys, right? This is the tow truck. This is the space tow truck. I, I would rather see a service than a ship. I think anybody can come out and, you know, with a toolbox and repair it, but I think the scaffolding system is a way that anybody with major damage can come out. Like you can replace parts in space. 
rather than just like you know reconnect your reactor or you know put a new flux capacitor in. If you actually have external frame damage, I think this is the ship. You're okay, let me to have. let me run this scenario by you. So I've been sent out to uh, rescue a person in semi pirate space. They they've been attacked, and they're smart pirates because what they're doing is they're just crippling somebody so they can bring more people in so they can attack a bigger crowd. So I go out there and I call in this ERS or this you know crucible ship or whatever it is. And they start building a scaffolding and setting this up, and it takes, oh, okay, one hour goes by. Yeah, okay, oh, part of the scaffolding is done now. Oh, so another hour goes by. Oh, here comes all these pirates, and they're going to jump me. And I think in that situation, one of two things that happen. Number one, either the repair ship would bring escort service with them, you know, escorting fighters to keep them safe, or, you know, a, a lesser equipped uh, service vessel could come out, just get the thing's jump drive operational, Jump, help it jump to a more secure location, but still, you know, kind of out in space. And then the scaffolding uh, ship can come in and then tend to it there. I think it gives it a lot of flexibility. You can bring the repair depot to the guy if it's if the repair ship owner feels it's safe enough or makes it safe enough by hiring escort. Or you can send in a, a less capable ship to make only the necessary repairs to get the ship mobile again uh, and then bring it back through a jump point to a safer environment where this uh, repair ship could deploy with a reasonable risk of being attacked. So I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it gives people flexibility and options and choices. And again, I don't think you have to have this ship to run a repair service. I think it's the best ship for a repair service. Well, I, I, I totally agree with you. I was just playing devil's advocate. You played well, <laughs> sir. The 17th episode of Around the Verse has been released, bringing us the best of the community and letting us get one step closer to folks making the game. In this episode, we find out that CIG are finalizing art updates for the initial map enlargement. Working on additional key bindings and control customizations for 13.2, and the team are waiting to plug the FPS modules in for the capital ship fights. Yes, so as uh, Tony was absent last week, you missed all the excitement of CitizenCon and the reveal that the maps are going to be double the size and double the fun. So I presume you've caught up on everything coming out of CitizenCon now. Oh, I some I tried to watch the uh, YouTube replays that I could find. I didn't watch the whole thing, mostly because the uh, re- the snippets I heard was, hey, that was a lot of fun for two hours. Wish there was more news. Well, I'll just come in here and let you guys tell me what happened. But I did watch the Planet Side uh, videos, which were fantastic. I did watch the, uh, oh, the Cutlass commercials. The Cutlass commercials were great. But I thought I'd come in here and basically just let you guys carry carry the water on that one. Are you saying that you're unprepared? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, did, I didn't I didn't watch a whole lot of it, but I, I read what, what what happened. In all honesty, I was a little bit sort of underwhelmed this time. In all honesty, I was a little bit underwhelmed this time. There's a lot of great things coming, but it's all very incremental. They're releasing the Cutlass, and they have the Cutlass variants out, and they're promising more of the sort of, quote, back catalog stuff. But we have to ask the question, where the f*** is the Avenger mission pack? Or just the Avenger? I'll just settle for the Avenger. That's that's kind of missing in action. Do, do um, you think we need to remind them? I think we do. I think we just did. If they're listening to the show, they've just been reminded. Tap, tap. I, I'm hoping that's soon, because I think one of the things they promised was a more more of those uh, fill-in, you know? They're going to fill in the roster a little bit more in the coming weeks. The Avenger better be part of that, quite frankly. The Avenger was one of the first things that they sold that wasn't one of the original five, right? I mean, I'm trying to think back if there was anything else, but the Avenger was, I think, was it was it not the first one? And that's just been languishing. And mm-hmm. and Elliot constantly reminds me that I have to that I have to rant about it. 
He's, he's <laughs> always trying to make me rant about the Avenger. So here you are, Elliot. This one's for you. No, I'm uh, with him on so that. I have an Avenger as well. And I would yeah. have thought that it was, you know, it's got to be somewhat close to being Arena Commander ready, surely. I And, that, and I see that's sort of my problem with the way things are going now is that they do have the cadence, right? They've got the whole concept ship, lowest price thing, and then it's going to, you know, they'll offer it for sale for the limited time and then reoffer it when it's hangar ready. I mean, I think they've got a good cadence there, but the problem is, is that in order to make that cycle work, the stuff that's been out there for a long time now has to fit into that new arrangement. So the Avenger as a concept ship is, you know, that, that, that never even saw that sort of version, right? It, it was just a thing that they did a long time ago. Now it's got to fit in with all these other ships into the cadence. That's a wait its turn almost because there's not a whole lot of new revenue coming in from the Avenger. It's not a thing anymore. You can buy it anytime you want to, and it's not any big splash. So it's not getting, I don't think it's getting as much love. Uh, it, it certainly has fallen down the development schedule as far as I can tell from just sitting outside. And I think that's kind of wrong. The people that have been waiting the longest and been the fans the longest are also having to wait longer for something that they've wanted to fly show up in the, in the universe. The M50, I can see why that might have bumped the Avenger a little bit just because they want to get the racing mechanic in and they wanted to have a racing ship ready to go. And the M50 was another early one like the Avenger, but we do need to, we do need to see the Avenger and we need to see it quickly. Agree. Yeah. And uh, also the news from around the verse, like Jeff was saying just then, that the team are now waiting to plug the FPS models in for the capital ship fights. I know that you're really looking forward to the multi-crewed multiplayer action, but uh, you know, what are your thoughts on it not being released until at least middle of next year? That honestly surprises me, mostly because if they're still trying to go for a first quarter release of Squadron 42, that's not going to be a part of it. Multi-crew, multiplayer ships are not going to be a part of the first release of Squadron 42. Yeah, so the multi-crew multiplayer ship combat is going to be coming out middle of next year, with Squadron 42 Chapter 1 coming out after the release of the multi-crew multiplayer, so probably quarter 4, 2015. Oh, so so they've pushed it back? Yes. Almost an entire year? Almost. I seem to have missed that part of the uh, news roundup. Ah, well it was there. I'm going to go ahead and revisit our earlier prediction about the whole loss of faith thing. Come on! Hey, it's going to be a testing year. We said this. Yeah, well, okay. Consider myself retested again. And again, I mean, as long as, we're, as long as they're continuing to release features that we can play with and toy with and have fun with while we're waiting, I'm okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, a, a year delay after a year delay, I know, par for the course, but... You know, just it's just it's it's uh, that, uh, underwhelming again, underwhelming for a two-hour-long live cast. Which now I'm sort of glad I didn't sit around for because then I probably would have been sad. I think we can expect Squadron 42 Chapter One to also slip to 2016 with Arena Commander 2.0 barely making it in time for Christmas 2015. Yeah, I think we're going to have to adjust our own expectations a little bit and and give them longer than yeah. than CIG is giving themselves. Again, we're all being tested here. We have to, we have to you know, remember this. We have to remember this is the year of the testing. Get the schedule as best you can and nail it down. Large subsystems like this are tricky, and there's a lot of dependencies, and there's things that aren't being ironed out as quickly as you'd like. And I'm sure that outside things are being are throwing them for curves as well. Like Crytek is not exactly as financially stable as perhaps they might like. They might not be getting the same level of support that they thought they might be able to count on uh, when they signed the contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff happens. Uh, so we just have to keep that in mind. It's still disappointing to see that the the major components, which have been sort of on the whiteboard for a while, pushed back and pushed back again, are indeed being pushed back again. 
but that's 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 a feature, not a bug, of this open development process. But then again, this goes back to the question of what is alpha? You know, what are we actually in it for? Are they going to feature complete with their releases? Do they need to just get it out of the door a bit sooner? Because there's nothing to stop them tweaking a module after it's been released. I mean, look at Arena Commander. That's gone through patch after patch after patch after patch. And they claim it's not, not actually released yet. It's not got to version one. But, I mean, come on, it's pretty much damn near perfect. You could play it as a standalone game. And, they're, yeah, you've got a few issues like the Hornets are now, like, super-powered and all that sort of thing. But that's no different than a round of nerfs on an MMO. They yeah, constantly, that's a balancing issue. Yeah, they yeah, constantly it's not a, throw it's not a function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe this is actually what we're seeing rather than the alpha list is kind of more like a beta list so maybe the multi-crude oh, multiplayer will that. be available earlier no I'm, I'm hey it happened with arena commander we were no, all saying I... about how you know are we actually going to see bugs are we going to see the raw edges and to be honest i've not really seen that many yeah and and again you know when we had that interview with chris he's just like well the fact that we can patch it afterwards lets me let go of the baby a little sooner i'm just like i'm starting to wonder if not if now that there's more of a bureaucracy there it's more like, oh God, if I let this go, Chris Roberts will be mad at me. You know, they, he's pushed, they, he's delegated the decision making powers, but this, the fear still is if I let this go with the Chris Roberts name on it and the bug is my fault, I'm going to get my ass handed to me. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's not some of that creep going on. And it's, and it's not any one thing. It's not a decision point that anybody sits down and makes and says, oh dear God. What? They're just padding their schedules a little bit to find those extra bugs so they don't have to go back and beg for more time when when it when it happens yeah and, and that happens with an organization you know you say it's not going to fail because of me it's not going to be i'm not going to be the one that has the big stinking you know bug on his forehead uh because you know i missed something so i better just a task which i think i ought to be able to get done in a week i'm going to put down that i need two weeks for it just in case. And if I only need the week on that one, I'll have that extra week in reserve with this other problem that doesn't, you know, that I, I don't have a handle on. So I'm wondering if some of that's kind of coming into. Yeah. And I also think it's probably a little bit still that whole pressure of being such a big crowdfunded project. Now that they're in the Guinness Book of Records, everybody's going to be looking to them as an example of this is how you do crowdfunding. And it's, yeah. again, it's not enough for Star Citizen to just be successful. It's, it's got to, it's got to come through. It's got to get published and it's yeah. got to win. You know, there's I, just I, no way it can come second place. I had that conversation with Swafford in, in Austin too, right before, before Arena Commander was delayed. You know, it was supposed to be released in April, right? And I was down there in March, and we had this, we had basically this exact same conversation. And they erred on the side of holding it back till it was working the way that they wanted. Well, no, actually, it was supposed to be released the end of December well, no, no, before no, that, wasn't la, it? La 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 la. I'm forgetting <laughs> that part. I'm, you know, stop with your say, facts. That's, that's why we decided to launch the show then, because we were like, oh yeah, we've got the hangar module now. Arena Commander, Arena yeah, Commander will be, or uh, the dogfighting module, as we were calling it then. The, the um, dogfighting module. That that'll be released in about two weeks. And then that'd be a great way to start the show with our fifth episode. And no, it was like episode twenty something before we actually yeah. got it. Yes, this is why I went ahead and purchased the second beta program of Elite Dangerous. <laughs> well, I'm just happy that Star Trek Online has their Delta expansion pack now. Yeah, that's been quite fun. We're having a little impromptu. Where the f- is the Avenger mission pack uh, segment here right now? It's not written in the show notes, but we might as well be having it now. What are you going to be doing until <laughs> until the fourth quarter 2015 when we finally have a Squadron 42? I don't know if I can make 17 missions in Star Trek Online last that long, though. Yeah, I mean, you say that, Tony, about 17 missions. There's a, a 
really good series on the Foundry. Um, it's called the Overture series, that, and that should at least last you until 2018. That guy's a genius, but he's a little long-winded. A little long-winded, yeah. A little I didn't bit long-winded, have a beard when I started, and now my yeah. beard is so glorious I have a small Afghani family living in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, see, but see, that's what that's what a great storyline mission will do for you. It, it gives you the opportunity to accept refugees from abroad and have them live in your facial hair. You didn't think Star Trek could do that for you, but it can. Well, that was a little bit of a tangent. None of that was in around the first. <laughs> but hey, let's keep going. Another week brings us another 10 for the chairman, and Chris takes the top 10 questions from subscribers and, uh, you know, gives you his current thinking about that. As always, there were a number of questions covered. We encourage you to check them out, but we're going to just cherry pick a couple of them for you. First up, Chris was asked, when playing multi-crewed ships, how will you know when the right time to abandon your vessel should the battle not go quite in your favor? Chris answers that there will definitely be a critical failure alarm and potentially a cascade reaction that could start maybe in your engine room or in the damaged portion of the ship and work its way uh, throughout the rest of the ship. I'm, I'm happy about this. I'm glad it'll, I'm glad your computer will tell you when you're about to die. Uh, then it's just a race to the escape pods, and hopefully um, you have more escape pods than crew. Yeah, I think on a smaller ship like the Aurora, this is going to be, you know, you might as well just open up the window and jump out. But I'm quite interested to see something like this on a Bengal carrier where you are literally huh. having to race against the explosion to get to a escape pod, or alternatively, you know, to get to the hangar deck, getting another ship and try and go from there. Well, I'm uh, again, I have visions of Battlestar Galactica in my head, and I don't know if you guys um, watched the. Well, I guess it was in the it was in the series, but it was also more on display in the Blood and Chrome web series, where the Columbia, the Battlestar Columbia, they were having a battle of the original Cylon War. And the Battlestar Columbia blew up, but it blew up in chunks. So, like, the, the head of the ship separated from the tail. But the head and the tail were still intact. It was the middle of the ship that blew to smithereens. It's like you saw the engines sort of float away in one way and the two flight pods flow away in the other way, and the head of the ship came apart. Um, I bet some of those compartments were still sealed. So you might, you know, the ship might come apart, and then you can eject from the, you know, the parts of the ship that that uh, are floating away. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Do you hope to die on a ship, Jeff? A big ship? I don't hope to die at all. On a big I ship hope to be rescued. <laughs> I hope that guard frequency comes and right. saves my sorry ass. <laughs> we have to have a pretty big fleet if a Bengal carrier blows up, and uh, we need to pick up the survivors from that thing. Well, I, I can't. I can't imagine that all this time in space that we wouldn't have some personal quick active like energy shield or something that would give us like a like three minutes of, to get uh, you know in a in a hostile environment that we couldn't get to an escape pod or or something a little more durable. Well, I think on a, like one of those larger ships, I think it should be part of the game universe that if you know you're going into battle in one of those big ships. I don't know. Have you guys ever read the Honor Harrington series? Oh yes. I've read, I've read a few of those. I mean, if they knew they're going into battle, everybody got into a spacesuit. Mm-hmm. You know, just and they, they carry their helmet around like so, just in case the compartment got opened up to vacuum. You, you slap your helmet on, and you know, you can either still fight the ship, you know, if you if it's still functional, or you know, you could get out and get to an escape pod or something. So hopefully, that's part of the uh, multi-crew, multi-ship design of the bigger ships. Is that you know, you have you access to your own spacesuit. Secondly, Chris was asked if there are any plans for missions that require luxury spaceships like the Phoenix or the 890, and he says, yes, people will rent a yacht to cruise an area of space, transport very important persons. You know, rich people like nice ships, you know, but rich people are also juicy targets for pirates. Yeah. So that will spawn yet more jobs. Yeah, I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring this one up because last week Schiff was uh, saying when he was taking over for, uh, for you, actually, um, he was saying that... Uh, 
Jeff was complaining that he wanted the passenger liner to go to, you know, of the ships that we wouldn't want to keep in. Justin actually came up with a pretty good concept, which was um, effectively you have like a, um, almost like a, a, a meter that you've got to fill. And each, uh, whether, you know, a, a maitre d' would be 10 points and a juggler would be 20 points and it would, you know, fill up depending on what type of entertainment you had and all that sort of thing, which would then mean more revenue once you broke through certain barriers. And this is, you know, pretty much what Chris has said the the method is going to be. You know, you, people are going to want to rent a yacht. They're going to want to cruise around. And the better your ship is equipped in terms of personnel and facilities, you're going to get more rewards from that. And then uh, Justin did say as well that it would obviously naturally be a really good target for pirates. And yeah, it just you know, just sort of came out. So this is just proof, if anything, that CIG really are building the game we're making. Oh no, I just had a terrible thought. What if we're the ones making the delays? Oh, that's true. What if they're listening to us? <laughs> what if they're listening to us and saying, that is such a good idea, put that on the schedule, and then they t- then people at the, at the production side of it are tearing their hair, hair out because, holy crap, that wasn't on the schedule before. Now we need to put that in, but that creates the dependency over here and the dependency over here, and it pushes... Oh, no. You know what we need to do? Oh, no. What? We, we need to release to- our version of Multicrude Multiplayer, like by the end of the week and then stop talking about it yeah we need to put out the feature list uh, at the end of the week and say all right cig we're done talking about it this is it you don't have to add any more features or do anything else to it this dude i lennon okay you're the real brains of this operation yeah Am I? that's that's yeah. you what did i that's do you uh also uh, uh we need to mention that beer for the beer gods hilarious uh translations of what the subscribers are actually asking and what chris said to them on reddit we we do uh, enjoy that service that beer for the beer god provides Uh, So well done, sir. Well done. And that brings us to this week's community question. We just want to know what side of the morality coin are you planning to play in the verse? Are you going to be always helping out the less fortunate or discovering how fast your trigger finger can move? Maybe somewhere on the line between citizen and outlaw. Let us know by commenting on this week's show post on guardfrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at robertspaceindustries.com. But now it's time for News We Didn't Use. The photo booth gallery from CitizenCon 2014 is now up. Fan Spotlight YouTube creators highlights the best videos from around the community. The 325A is flyable and more of the back catalog variants are coming soon. Lore Builder 18, Governments and Guns, a true American dream. The latest entry into the Galactic Guide of the Baker system, like the Cannonball Run, but in space. And Discovered, Vanguard System, the exploration journals of Christian Meyer. I just wanted to say that uh, government and guns, the true American dream, there's no cheeseburger in there. So, you know, it's short. You're right. Sorry. It was it was a complete foreigner who wrote these show notes. When I find him, I will make <sighs> sure. You tell is. that guy if there's not a cheeseburger involved, it can't be the American dream. Now that we're all caught up with the latest CIG news, let's find out just how valuable data can be in Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. 
Greetings, sits and sieves, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the gory details from the inside out. A fair warning up front, though, this game is still in active development, so anything that we say will be subject to change. Now, not all cargo requires a Banu merchantman to transport. The smaller ship could carry cargo more valuable than 10 shiny new store or containers with the finest spices. Data itself can be a commodity valuable enough to cause the rise and fall of empires, turn an empty system into a thriving centre of trade, or turn a family of country hillfolk into wealthy moguls, all from a single piece of information. With so many explorers about the verse, you might think data will be cheap. But knowing where a new jump point resides is only part of the story. Someone has to navigate the jump point. A jump point is a maze of interdimensional tunnels with more twists and turns, more deadly than the scariest of corn mazes. A wrong turn may tear your ship apart. Even correctly navigating a jump point will put you directly into another unknown situation. The system on the other side might be untouched by sentient hands, a brand new set of planets and asteroids with untold riches. Or you have just found a back door into a nest of pirates. This might sound terrible, but if you play your cards right, you can get paid for telling them the secret. Just make sure that you can escape. Data trading also involves much more than just jump point locations and asteroid fields rich with sparkling veins of ore. Discovering an organization's mobilization of forces will be valuable to their enemies. Perhaps you have a clue that doesn't make a lot of sense on its own. Maybe there's another clue that will help decode it and reveal a secret. You might also overhear in a bar about a supply and demand of goods and commodities around the verse. You can use all of this to your own advantage, or you can sell the info to a trader who is looking for tips on where to go galaxy trucking. Another option is becoming an info agent, someone who gathers all kinds of info and can broker deals between parties who are buying and selling information. You have to be trusted by both parties, so making strong ties to certain guilds or organizations will limit your opportunities in this area. Most people know better than to shoot the messenger, but being proven untrustworthy at least will cost you income, and angering the wrong parties could have your heir finding themselves with a new hanger in their possession. So make sure your loyalty lies with the quality of your information and not one side or the other. I'm really excited about info running as a mechanic. I think a big part of the game is not knowing anything. I really think that's a huge cornerstone of the design of Star Citizen. You walk in and you are absolutely ignorant. And then it will cost you time and resources and effort and gameplay to find things out. But then all of that becomes valuable and you can sell that yes. off. Yep. I mean, did you hear from the live stream Tony Zerovic's walkthrough of how a mission will go in Star Citizen? Right. The missions are more an exercise in how deep you want to follow something down yeah. a rabbit hole rather than a series of sequential steps. First A, then B, then C, then D. There's going to be A and A prime and A double prime and A triple prime. And if you choose A prime, you go down A prime, then you get to B prime. And if you're tired of that, you can just go over to A triple prime which you still have available to you because you remember that guy in the bar saying that thing. So then you go down a triple prime and then you can progress that as far as you like. That's great. And if you can hand off a triple prime to somebody else for a price. Mm, exactly. Um, that's great. It, it'll be, you know, the, the missions themselves become tradable items, you know, tokens, if you will, that another player can use and take and go do something with. Oh, I don't know, like a salvageable ship floating in space because there's a loot table entry like Shiv suggested. Maybe that's Shiv's out building there. this game. Maybe it's, it's not us. I, maybe it's not us. Shiv is building it and it's his fault that it gets, keeps getting pushed back. Way to go, Shiv. Yeah, thanks. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore some Sit or Siv taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. 
But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! From our show post at guardfrequency.com, Ostrom writes in and says... So, first I need to register a complaint. I cannot find documented evidence without listening to a bunch of back episodes, but I'm fairly certain I submitted the Vander Black story as a possible squawk book piece several months ago. So, he does go on to say some more, but just to address that one point, I have a vague recollection of this as well, Astron, and I am really sorry if you did send it in and we skipped over it at the time. I know a few months back we did change our email provider and we did end up getting a fair few things lost in the process, so it could well be that you sent it in, but uh, yep, we'll make sure that you've got the credit for sending this in as well. Ostron then goes on to say, I like the CitizenCon presentation in general, but I wasn't overly excited about the particulars. At the moment, it seems like I'm going to be playing this game solo, and very few of the current features are catered to solo players. Related to that, I'm not primarily in this for the combat, but all of the discussion around non-combat professions other than the cargo hauling has been in the context of these huge ships, so we have no idea how or if individual players will operate in these professions, for example mining, exploration and salvage. The bright spots, though, were the Cutlass commercial and the opening of the Arena Commander ships for everyone. I don't own a Hornet, so I've been playing Vandal Swarm in a 300i or an Aurora. Taking a Hornet in there now just feels like cheating. Told you, it is. The Hornet is like butter. If you use a mouse and keyboard, or a trackball and keyboard, mm, good times. Yeah, just regarding the solo play and the mining, I can remember there was something in a 10 for the chairman, and I'll try and dig it out and put it in the show notes, um, but I can remember Chris talking about how you will be able to fly an individual mining ship out and do a bit of mining, because he was talking about how it was going to be a skill-based system rather than a, you know, like, MMO-style click of power to activate your lasers, click of power when your inventory's full and take it away again. So there has been a little bit revealed on the individual professions, but I think a lot of what you're seeing is the multi-crude, multiplayer stuff, which is the next iteration of Arena Commander. So I wouldn't be surprised if once we start getting planet-side and moving more to the social modules and the persistent universe alpha, that's probably when you'll see a lot more of these individual professions coming to the forefront yeah and I, and I think we all need to remember that all these ships with multiple crews you can crew a ship with non-player characters they just won't perform as well as if you had player characters but if you have a seat with seat actions associated with it that can be filled by an AI so if you have a five-person mining ship and you just want to play the game by yourself you can hire four NPCs and have them sit and operate those stations so even if it's a larger ship you can still fly it solo Dilek writes in, and always good to hear from him because he writes in almost every week. Another great and enjoyable show. Great work. Regarding variants, remember that in lore, most of the current generation ships had been available to the public for at least 10 years. That's enough time for major companies to research what their buyers were using them for and develop time and resources to actually produce ships with the upgrades that most of their buyers put onto their ships. It boils down to insurance. If you buy the Cutlass Red, for example, all the upgrades are included in the basic haul insurance, but there's no need to buy insurance for the upgrades. For ships which are in the primary function of performing a dangerous job, i.e. the SAR Ops, this seems to be the most effective solution. I kind of like this. I kind of like that point, that the variants with, uh, go toe-to-toe or go hand-in-hand with the insurance. I like that. But on the other hand, we did hear from Ben. He uh, put in a, a forum post in the middle of the week that basically said, this is the idea that we're going to let you take stuff off the ship, but it's not like you can take stuff off that ship and put it onto another ship. For example, a Cutlass. You can take the medical bay out of the red, 
but you can't put that medical bay into the blue. The seat actions associated with the internal hard points of the blue are different than the seat actions associated with the internal hard points on the red. Now, so why would where you I can have do... because I think partially for the in-universe fiction thing, I think that's a good explanation that we have here from Dillick. That's nice, but in reality, remember a few weeks ago we had I was uh, we discussed um, if you want to be a racer, you can be a racer, but you can't be a racer and a fighter. You know the opportunity cost of choosing one career over another. The more variants you sell, the more ships, the wider the array of choices you can offer somebody when they want to specialize. But what that means is that the more choices you also exclude somebody from playing unless they pony up additional money. It's a good marketing and business strategy, both from the standpoint of saying, we're offering you more choice. But that also says, we're excluding you from being able to do multiple things with one choice. If you'd like to come back and make another choice and pay us another bunch of money at some point, feel free. But for now, when you buy that ship, that's the role you're going to be assuming. Unless you want to just be a regular old cargo ship, you strip out the internal seats, load it up with crates, and you're good to go. I'm sorry. I've got a 350R now, which I upgraded from the 325A, which was supposed to be a super fast interdictor. I have guns. I have missile Mm -hmm. racks. Yes, it, it races, but I certainly can go out and blow crap up. Sure. But you can't haul cargo anymore. No, that's true. I cannot haul cargo. That kind of trade-up I understand because I went from a single right. engine to a dual-engine setup. And I can understand right. the need for the extra space for the dual engines. Right. Now, if I had a 325A, I might be disappointed that I can't put dual engines on my ship. But I understand it because that kind of hard point system makes sense to me. But if I'm a pod that's designed to fit on a certain class of ship, that doesn't make sense to me. You can justify it in fiction however you want to. Like, say, for the medical base stuff, you have to have better plumbing because you're going to be transporting biohazards and waste and I don't know, whatever. I mean, you can justify it in fiction any number of ways that it won't work. But I think that what it really boils down to is that from a design standpoint, the narrower field I can lock somebody into with a ship purchase, number one, it may offer them more satisfaction with the gameplay because that's the exact thing they want to do. But number two, if they ever change their mind, they've got to change their whole. And that's an opportunity for us to sell them a, a, another different ship. And just like Star Trek Online, what sells in Star Citizen is going to be the ships. That's what's going to sell. Not upgrades, not costumes. Ships are what's going to be one to sell. If this concept sale pipeline idea has shown us anything is that people buy ships. And that's where the money is. He then goes on to say, Regarding CitizenCon, although the stuff presented at the event was epic, felt a little underwhelmed. Other cons have been so packed with content that in comparison, this one, although awesome, kind of fell short. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I didn't watch the whole live stream. I was uh, out of town, but um, I, I kind of I got that sense from reading the uh, from the summaries. So I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, CitizenCon is designed as more of a, you know, we're members of the board. Here's where the game was, where we are now, where we're going, as opposed to the big sort of hype presentations like they have at PAX East when they did Arena Commander and so forth. So, yeah, I think given the current cons that have been happening and the exciting announcements, I can I can see why people feel underwhelmed by how this one came out. But I think if you look at CitizenCon last year, it's kind of perfectly in line with what they did before, so... It would be nice to give the people that couldn't attend the the cons that were, you know, to buy like a virtual ticket, like a lot like Blizzard does. Tell you what, Jeff, tell Shiv about this. He'll put it in the game he's building, which means that CIG will do it. Yes, exactly. And Sean Newboy writes in, say a wonderful show, everyone. 
from Squawk at GuardFrequency.com. Zerlo writes in, Hey guys, episode 42 was great, but it's a shame you couldn't celebrate that number with a Manchester Studio Report frowny face. I know. What disappoints me is that he didn't say, Episode 42 is great, but I'm so sad Tony wasn't there. Oh, well, Tony, you're not as loved as you think you I'm are. I'm not as loved as a putative <laughs> visit to Manchester. I, can I, just, I don't know, read between the lines here, because what he's effectively saying was, episode 42 was great, but it's a shame that Lennon was there and not in Manchester. Oh, boy. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's, yeah, boy. So, but again, as Jeff is the only member of our crew with perfect attendance, everyone just sort of assumes Jeff's going to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> Jeff's presence or absence is just assumed. It's not like there's any question about whether or not he's going to show up. Yeah, so like I said, in episode 597, when we come back to review the school box segment, <laughs> Jeff will still be the only one. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be the only one with perfect attendance. From our Guard Frequency Facebook page, Mac McLeod writes in and says, Great episode, guys. Keep the good shows coming. From Twitter, Ken from Chicago said across several tweets, Why not have the variants available as well as base models? Offer things like fully outfitted Reclaimer and 300 series variants for those who can afford them. But have the base models that you can get at lower cost and upgrade over time. He also suggests that another use for the Star Citizen hangar main display, chart map, where various parts are to upgrade your ship. Ooh, mm. yeah. That Star Citizen hangar display, Ooh, yes, definitely. Yeah. like. When you find out where the good stuff is, you can make notes of that and then say, when I need to upgrade my guns, I have to go to the system over here because I've got just what I want. And again, Ken from Chicago, we agree with you. The post from Ben Lesnick says that they would like to do that someday. That's just not the thing they're doing now. Green Dragoon replied to Justin's request on the t-shirt sale that it would be cheaper to send him a gift. And uh, he said, I totally went to order it for you, but I accidentally had it shipped to the wrong address and the wrong size. I'll try to do better next time. Maybe at least get the size right. So I'm guessing Green Dragoon will still screw up the address and accidentally have it sent to him and not Shiv. I'm what a shame. What a shame. Rogue Force, another great show. Surprised you weren't more excited by the Cutlass Red and the Misk Endeavor. Ken piped up again to say, one word, miniatures. If you can't afford uh, Robert Space Industries full-size Star Citizen ships, why not the toy versions? The toy starships could hover around players on the ground and inside starships, except where restricted. Hashtag ToysFTW. Oh, great. A pet system. <laughs> just what we need. Hey, hey, man. They're not an MMO, but they'll just take systems from MMOs that could work and use them where appropriate, like a pet system for tiny toy ships. I think if I could, you know, like those, you get those things that you can put on your dashboard that are like bobble-headed type characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, get one of those with Chris Roberts and Eric Winman-Peterson on the go, and I definitely have one of those on the dash of my freelancer. You, you could hang a fuzzy pair of uh, freelancers from your rearview mirror in your cockpit. Now that I, I would like to have. And they've already got little toy models in your hangar. You've already got models of the Constellation and... Uh, yes, but we must make them 50. pliable and anti-grab and all right, the other... Right, float around with us and, like, flare that follows us around and we walk in a social zone so everybody knows we have these toy ships. Right. Yeah, but then you're going to end up with these places that demand a minimum of 52 pieces of flare. And... Hey, what do you think of people that just do the minimum, Lennon? <laughs> you know, Brian over there, he's got 74 ships. You know. <laughs> Try to be more like Brian. But I digress. Oh, and the reason I was digressing because the next topic is from guardfreak.reddit.com. Oh, Gamergate, my old friend. Do you know the old Klingon proverb that says revenge is best served with some fava beans and a nice Chianti? Wait, wait oh, sorry. Wait a minute. That's the wrong movie. Uh, I was largely disappointed in the feedback on that soap box, uh, Squawk Box uh, that we did a couple weeks ago. 
basically there were three kinds of responses. I had one good back and forth thread with one poster, and I had an hour-long conversation uh, over TeamSpeak with uh, someone who contacted us via email. Both of those conversations essentially boiled down to, we'll agree to disagree, but let's keep talking. Okay. And, you know, it all went downhill from there, basically. One guy called me a social justice warrior in one thread, and then in another thread, when I asked him if my arguments classified me as a social justice warrior, his response was, I haven't been keeping track if you're the only person I've been talking to, so I couldn't say. My name is right there. My username is right there. You did anyway. And then some other guy went off on a booth babe tangent, and I'm pretty sure somebody wanted me to keep an open mind if my daughter wanted to cosplay a booth babe someday. It was weird. Anyway, the issue is getting some more mainstream press after a lecture on game diversity was canceled due to a shooting threat. And a number of internet nerd stars like Will Wheaton, Joss Whedon, and John Scalzi have strongly denounced Gamergate. So maybe this thing will just start to go away. Let's hope, Tony. Let's hope. I hope. And a reminder of our community question, what side of the morality coin are you planning on playing in the verse? Are you going to always be helping out the less fortunate or discovering how fast those trigger fingers can move? Maybe somewhere on the line between citizen and outlaw? Let us know by commenting on this week's show post over at guardfrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Should we keep going as is, or is it time that we released our variants? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum posts at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and now you can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just search for us on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or start an argument on our Reddit, guardfreak.reddit.com. Leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're lucky, I might just butcher your name live on the air. And if you're old school like us, well, shoot us an email to scork at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. That brings us to the end of episode 43 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 44 on October 28th. So be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Well, if so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greatest Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday nights, then you should join us live here over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We'll start recording around 8 p.m. Central, and that's Sundays at 2 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Being Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Trolf Networks, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. 
The system on the other side might be untouched. Oh, yeah. That should probably be a B there. (laughs) It might be untouched, my sentient hands. Yes, my sentient hands. My sentient sentient hands. (laughs) So make sure your loyalty lies with the. Go in, and you can now get your word in edgewise. (laughs) (laughs) Players on the ground and inside starships, except where we're. Except where we're restricted. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways I've, I've, aside from all the ways I ran down all the ways we showed up. Me, me, me. It's all about me. Bloody dumb. Step away from the scotch. Aside from all. (laughs) (laughs) We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager Justin Chivalry being low master, our artist. Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster and our audio assistant, and Justin, Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster. Thanks to yeah. Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster and finally Craft Services. Wait, that is catering. Okay. Thanks to our syndication partner, Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster, and special thanks to Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank Justin like Shivery Bean Lowmaster. <laughs> so, yay, plasma containment! But not something really worthy of a four-minute-long YouTube video complete with a kickin' dubstep intro and inspirational time-lapse photos of cities lighting up at night. I think there are people talking in the background again. I'm going to do the last bit. Okay, now there's more people talking in the background. Hello, no donuts. Uh-uh. Who want, nobody wants donuts? Is that, what, is that what I'm hearing back there? I'm hearing a lot of people saying no donuts for me. Uh-oh. Now somebody adorable is coming over to give me a hug. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. Take it. Take it. Too shy. Okay. Out. 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 Okay. Here we go. Let me try that again. So, yay, plasma containment, but uh, not something really worthy of a four-minute-long YouTube video, complete with a kick. Jesus. (laughs) That will kick Jesus. That will kick Jesus. That was a oh, the blooper reel is going to be so, so good. So there was a door <laughs> slamming there. So I think what I'm going to interpret that is is a sign that the offending urchin is now hopefully in her bedroom, complete with a kick, Jesus. Yeah, complete with a <laughs> kick, Jesus. Okay. So yay, plasma containment, but not something really worthy of a Tony, four minute. Yeah. Tony, hmm? yeah. Sorry, I just wanted you to do that again, just because why not? Jesus. I love you, Lennon. Do you want me to kick? You want me to kick? <laughs> you want me to, you want me to do another kick, Jesus? For you? okay. But while I'm approaching this announcement with all the skeptics, no. <laughs> I think tomorrow morning I'm going to go drive out and get the donuts, and there's going to be one donut in there for me. I think that's how that's going to be. Mm, this is my donut. I don't know what you guys are eating. Lord. Oh. It's not anything. And the thing is, too, the great, the best part about it is they're not even trying to be quiet about it. I mean, it's just full on, just boom, just like <laughs> they're not even attempting to be stealthy with this. They're just like, hi, dad. Poof. Okay. Let us know by commenting on this week's show post on guardfrequency.com or over on our week's weekly on our week's shows. <laughs> no donuts. Beep, beep. No donuts for Tony. Beep, beep. No donuts for me. <laughs> but now it's time for. News we didn't use. Oh, you know, you could let Jeff say it like it's supposed to. Oh, yeah, really? it, yeah, that's why the G's in front. Yeah. That's why it's got a G there. <laughs> oh, I thought it was supposed to keep going. The G does okay. not mean gloss over this, Tony. And I'm sorry. That's Jeff. okay. I'm sorry, you Jeff. stole my thunder, but that's all right. Jeff. 
Mia culpa, mia maxima culpa. Please continue.